Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 9 of the Fantasy Consigliere Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Japine. Let's get right into the games with Jets at Colts on Thursday night. Indy obviously had a crushing loss last week to the Titans, and even though Jonathan Taylor's gotten going, it's simply inexcusable for him to have 16 carries as the team's best player. Carson Wentz ended up throwing the ball 51 times and had two costly interceptions. I'm not sure if the lack of running is by design from Frank Reich's play calls or Wentz checking out, but either way, it needs to get figured out if the Colts are going to turn things around at 3-5. and five. It's just totally unbelievable that Taylor has zero games with 20-plus carries this year. So hopefully a short week leads to the Colts keeping it simple by feeding their superstar runner. For the Jets, Mike White and Michael Carter were the two stars last week in an upset win over the Bengals. And I'm just pulling up my scattering report for Mike White here. I had him as a borderline top 50 prospect in 2018. I thought he had really good arm talent, works through progressions, makes quick decisions. And we saw that with a 400-yard day against Cincinnati. That said, I would probably pump the brakes on White as a streaming option this week. The Colts have played hard defensively, led by Darius Leonard. And there are probably better options, Daniel Jones, Taysom Hill. Even Derek Carr might be available coming off the bye. So I'd only consider White in deeper leagues. As for Carter, White has taken advantage of short passing opportunities to the rookie back, but he also might be someone you shouldn't overvalue in Week 9. Again, Darius Leonard is leading a hard-playing indie defense, and I would expect them to sell out to stop the run. Before moving on, I should mention Denzel Mims. He saw an expanded role last week, played 70% of the snaps. He only saw three targets, caught two of them for 30 yards. But if Corey Davis is out again, Mims could be worth a flyer against a defense that was stung by A.J. Brown for 155 yards last week. Starting the early slate on Sunday, Falcons at Saints. I mentioned Taysom Hill as a streaming option. It's really unclear right now if Sean Payton will stick with Trevor Simeon or move forward with Hill. I would assume Hill will be the guy. The Simeon did play well last week to beat the Bucks, So I'd say it's not a 100% guarantee that Hill will be the starter this week. If he is, though, he's definitely a borderline QB1 option. He faced the Falcons twice last season. I know it's a new regime now, but he started and won both games. Had two rushing touchdowns in the first, and then rushed for, I believe, 83 yards in the second. So you know Payton's offense will shift to highlight Hill's skill set. It's probably more bad news for Alvin Kamara, with Mark Ingram now back with the Saints. I doubt the team continues giving Kamara big workloads on the ground, and Hill is another potential vulture around the goal line. As for Ingram, he's worth the pickup in all leagues. I'm usually lower on the veteran runner, but he looked good last week against Tampa Bay. Not expect him to have weekly flex value. For the Falcons offense, not having Calvin Ridley dealing with the personal matter is clearly a downgrade across the board. Matt Ryan loses a star-level receiver. Kyle Pitts is seeing more attention. I guess maybe the one guy you could say gets a slight uptick would be Mike Davis. He saw 14 touches last week, although this matchup against the Saints probably isn't one you want to play him in a flex spot. So other than Pitts and Cordero Patterson, who remains an RB2, I'd have a difficult time trusting anyone on the Falcons offense right now, particularly on the road this week. Next game on the slate, Broncos at Cowboys. I'm taping this early afternoon on Tuesday, so it's a few hours away from the trade deadline. But Melvin Gordon's a name I mentioned before. Curious to know if he gets moved, but assuming he's not moved, with Denver becoming seller, we could still see him have a decreased role down the stretch as the team gives more touches to Javante Williams. Because of that, it might be wise to trade Gordon if he remains with Denver, and Javante is worth trying to get us a cheap RB2 down the stretch. On the Dallas offense, Dak Prescott should be back this week. He's immediately back in the QB1 ranks, and Cooper Rush was able to get a lot out of C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper last week, but now you should clearly have a lot more confidence in them moving forward with Prescott back. Also, Michael Gallup should return this week for the first time since the opener. 
I think will have a minimal impact on Lamb and Cooper, but for anyone that needs help at receiver, Gallup should have some big games considering the upside in the offense. And Gallup's return could also lead to a decreased role for Dalton Schultz. The Cowboys will likely go back to more 11 personnel. Schultz will still be the guy over Blake Jarwin, but now Dallas has to get all three of the wideouts involved, along with obviously Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Still, you have to probably keep rolling with Schultz. It's not like tight ends a strong position, so he remains a tight end one option for now. Next up, Patriots at Panthers. Damian Harris stayed hot last week. This will definitely be a more difficult matchup. You still likely have to play him as an RB2, but it wouldn't be a surprise if this is the week he disappoints. And Ramondre Stevenson was notably back in the lineup last week, so the rookie should siphon some carries away. For the passing attack, Mac Jones continues to play well. He connected with Nelson Aguilar on a deep shot last week. They seem to be pushing the ball more downfield. and We'll see if Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels want to challenge Stephon Gilmore, see if they might target him with a double move. The floor keeps Aguilar pushed down in the rankings, but I could see him having a good game and connecting on another big play. On the other side, I wouldn't get my hopes up about Christian McCaffrey returning, so Chuba Hubbard should get another start. New England will likely try to take away DJ Moore as a priority this week. They took away Mike Williams last week. Moore will be the guy this week, so we'll see if Hubbard gets another heavy workload to return RB2 value again. I guess Robbie Anderson might be someone that gets single coverage if Moore gets bracketed, but he really hasn't shown enough to be confident about. So Moore as a downgraded wide receiver too, and Hubbard are the only options I'd feel good about playing this week for the Panthers. Vikings at Ravens. Minnesota has played better Rundy of late, but I have a feeling Lamar Jackson could go for a huge game. He's my QB2 for Week 9, and this should be the first outing with all three of Marquise Brown, Sammy Watkins, and rookie Rashad Bateman in the lineup. Watkins and Bateman could end up canceling each other out as flex plays, but it's good news for Jackson to have them both, and it can even open things up for the running game. I'd assume the offense goes with Latavius Murray, Le'Veon Bell, and Devontae Freeman as their three runners, with Tyson Williams potentially being a healthy scratch again. And Latavius is the only guy to play until we see how things shake out. For the Minnesota offense and team in general, I think Dalvin Cook needs to get the ball in space more. They tried a failed screen attempt on Sunday night. But if defenses are selling out to stop the run, you need to find different ways to get the ball in the hands of your best player. And for this week, the Ravens will be arrested, but they haven't been great stopping the run compared to previous years. Cousins, I'm shaky on as a fantasy option. I think I have him in the top 15, but I wouldn't feel great about playing him. But you need to obviously start Cook and Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. For an AFC North battle, Browns at Bengals. Joe Burrow torched Cleveland. In two 2020 matchups, 361 passing yards per game with a 6-1 touchdown interception ratio. So he's an upside QB1 option. And the weapons are even better this year than last year for Cincinnati. T. Higgins should be a top 20 play at receiver. Jamar Chase, obviously a wide receiver one play. And Tyler Boyd should be at least a solid flex after lines of 7-72-1 and 11-101-1 in matchups last year versus Cleveland. Also, C.J. Uzama will carry some upside. For the Browns, Rushing room was difficult to come by for Nick Chubb last week, but similar to the Colts and Jonathan Taylor, he needs more than 16 carries if Cleveland is going to be a successful team. And it was disappointing to see him not get an increased role in the passing game. So far this year, Chubb has totaled six receptions for 43 scoreless yards. He's only been targeted six times, so he's making the most of them, but still disappointing. That said, I'd be buying low on him. I have him as my RB3 this week. Last year, he rushed 22 times for 124 yards and two scores against the Bengals. And the Browns need to feature him if they want to climb out of the 4-4 four four hole they're in and get right back into the division race. Cleveland was limited to 10 points last week, but this has a feel of a shootout like we saw in both matchups last year. What doesn't have the feel of a shootout is Bills at Jaguars. I'm sure Buffalo will hold up their end. 
Josh Allen is again my QB one for the week. Stephon Diggs, I think this could be the spot where he finally exploded for a monster game. Zach Moss is a strong RB2. Emmanuel Sanders should bounce back from a zero-catch effort last week. Cole Beasley remains a solid flex. But Jacksonville, it was disappointing to have them come out flat off the bye week. Urban Meyer looked lost on the sidelines at the end of the game. I know Shad Khan gave him an endorsement, but if Trevor Lawrence doesn't show too much progress down the stretch, then there are concerns about his early career being wasted. I believe I said before, if they're not sure Meyer's the guy, they should move on to the benefit of Lawrence and the franchise as a whole. Dynasty leagues, maybe you could hope for another subpar game this week from Lawrence, which will probably happen. I believe he's my last-ranked quarterback out of the starters for Week 9. But Jacksonville should get him going as a runner to lift the entire offense. At running back, I wouldn't be rushing to pick up Carlos Hyde. I guess he's a decent pickup if you're in need of a one-week starter at running back. But hopefully James Robinson misses one game, if that. And this matchup versus Buffalo leaves Hyde as a low-floor, touchdown-dependent flex. And you might have better long-term options on the waiver wire. Next up, Houston at Miami. I doubt Deshaun Watson has moved as we're sitting about three hours away from the trade deadline. So I'd guess we see Tyrod Taylor starting for Houston. And Tua still under center for the Dolphins. Tua, in particular, I would assume wants to show he could be the answer for Miami. They sit at 1-7, but he's played well. And this is a great matchup versus the Texans. So I have Tuka Valoa as a top 15 option for week 9. I think because of the matchup, he can support both Devontae Parker and Jalen Waddell as wide receiver two options, and Mike Kosicki is my tight end three. The athletic tight end had a difficult matchup against the Bills last week, but he still had a quality day thanks to a two-point conversion, and now the schedule lightens up the rest of the way. Kosicki is the tight end four through eight weeks, and a case could be made for him being ranked there the rest of the season. On the Houston offense, there was hope David Johnson would get more of a featured workload, not even featured workload, just a higher workload, but that didn't happen. So Brandon Cooks looks like the only option you could really trust, at least until some better matchups for Taylor, assuming he returns and is a starter over Davis Mills. Closing out the 1 p.m. slate, Raiders at Giants. Derek Carr is available in a lot of leagues. New York's played better on defense recently, but beyond this game, the schedule is great for the Raiders, so he needs to be rostered in all formats. And I also think you should buy low on Darren Waller if he's available. After this week, Las Vegas will take on the Chiefs, Bengals, Cowboys on Thanksgiving, Washington, Chiefs again, and Browns before Christmas. For the Giants, Daniel Jones remains an underrated option despite quiet games over the past few weeks. Once Saquon Barkley and Kenny Gaudet are back, along with Andrew Thomas at left tackle, the offense will be in much better shape, and Jones is always a threat to do damage with his legs. This week, I like him as a low-end QB1, and if Barkley is back, you shouldn't waste any time getting him in lineups. Kicking off the afternoon slate, Chargers at Eagles. Mike Williams is the current version of A.J. Brown from a few weeks ago. I said, buy A.J. Brown. He's too good not to turn it around, and we know what he's done recently. Williams started hot, has cooled off over the past two games, but he's still a monster player. Los Angeles is too smart not to find a way to get him more downfield opportunities, and they're probably frustrated fantasy owners that think they should sell him based on the recent performances. I jump at that opportunity if so. You can also probably check in on Justin Herbert if you're in need of a quarterback. Herbert has cooled off, but he still is a supremely talented player. Not expect him to be a solid QB1 the rest of the way. For the Eagles, they suddenly became a run-heavy team in Week 8, as Boston Scott and Jordan Howard both found the end zone two times each. The Chargers are not good against the run, so I'd expect Nick Sirianni to keep the ball on the ground with those two. Unlike Miles Sanders, Scott and Howard are more straight-ahead runners, and that led to a 200-yard day on the ground for Philadelphia. In general, I'd say this game is the toughest of the week to get a grasp on, Anything from 20 to 17 to 
35, 31. Wouldn't be a surprise. Hopefully for those invested in the game, it'll be on the shootout end. And I'd be playing all the stars for the Chargers. And then Jalen Hurts, I'd expect to bounce back. He didn't really have to do much last week. Devontae Smith, I'm not quite as high on because of the matchup. But Scott and Howard could be strong flex options. Dallas Goddard is a top five play at tight end. Now for perhaps a game of the week, depending if the Chiefs could hold up their end of the bargain. Green Bay at Kansas City. Devontae Adams should be back from the COVID list. He's the top wide receiver week nine. I also have Aaron Jones as a high-end player at running back, my RB2. He's another player I'm usually maybe slightly lower on than most, but it feels like Green Bay will play through Adams and Jones on the road. And I'd also consider Marquez Valdez-Scantling as a high-upside flex, but I wouldn't chase the points from Randall Cobb scoring twice last week. I know in my home league, someone picked him up and streamed him last week successfully, got him the win, but then they dropped him immediately on Tuesday morning. Cold league, I guess. For the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, again, didn't look good on Monday night. But as stated last week, you have to continue playing all the stars. The way the Packers have played defense, it might be Travis Kelsey's turn to have a big game. They'll probably have a lot of shell coverage to limit Tyreek Hill getting behind them. So Kelsey should work the underneath zones. And Mahomes needs to continue taking advantage of the short passes to Daryl Williams when available. Last week, he caught six passes for 61 yards. So if Clyde edwards elair is out again, Williams will remain an RB2 play. Also, Derek Gore really impressed on his opportunities on Monday night, and he's worth considering as a one-week plug-and-play option with Green Bay sure to play light in the box to contain the passing attack. The only concern for Gore would be maybe Green Bay with a few extra days to prepare, getting a jump on Kansas City, but the Packers don't usually seem to blow teams out, especially good teams, so Gore is definitely on the flex radar. For another good game at 4 p.m., at least based on their first matchup, Cardinals at 49ers. I could see DeAndre Hopkins being rested for this week. I know he played with a hamstring issue last week, Cliff Kingsbury said their receiver essentially ran onto the field himself. So if they're thinking long-term about a Super Bowl, a 7-1, similar to Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, it might be wise to simply rest Hopkins and keep him out of his own way. Assuming he plays, though, he'd remain a wide receiver one. But San Francisco might again try to slow things down like they did in the 17-10 loss last month. I expect the game to be more high-scoring, but there's enough concern about it that Kyler Murray gets a slight downgrade especially as he deals with an ankle injury. And the Niners should have some motivation after a big win against Chicago. A big part of that was Jimmy Garoppolo rushing for two short touchdowns. And it seemed like Trey Lance would be involved in the offense, but that didn't happen. And it's been really difficult to kind of gauge what Kyle Shanahan has been thinking. One thing we do know is that Elijah Mitchell has established himself as a lead ball carrier in the rushing attack and offense in general. Should get a boost if George Kittle is able to come off IR to play this week. Every week listeners know what I think of Trey Sermon. But at this point, with how little playing time he gets, no playing time, Jeff Wilson might be worth picking up as a potential handcuff for Mitchell. As the rookie's hard-charging play style, run style, will definitely leave him prone to a potential injury. He already had the shoulder issue earlier this year, and it might be wise to protect yourself with Wilson if he's available in your league. Sticking with running backs and insurance policies at the position for the Sunday Night Football, Titans at Rams, Derrick Henry, unfortunately, done for at least a large chunk of the remainder of the season with a broken foot. Adrian Peterson will now step in as lead back. It might take a week. I have Jeremy McNichols ranked higher for week nine, but long-term Peterson could be an RB2 option. In general though, the injury probably is a boost to the passing attack. Julio Jones even gets a breath of fresh air into his fantasy outlook. Hopefully Tennessee is able to get him healthy and play through AJ Brown and Julio the rest of the way. It's also a boost to Ryan Tannehill. Tennessee is still going to want to run, but but not having Derrick Henry, that gets a massive loss. And even with the expectation that it'll make things more difficult 
in coverage for Brown and Julio. The increase in volume should be enough to make up for it. For the Rams, Sunday night feels like it could be a Robert Woods and Tyler Higby game. Cooper Cup, obviously high-end wide receiver one play, but I think Woods could be ranked as a high-end wide receiver two, and Higby is a top 10 option at tight end. Close out the week, Bears at Steelers. We finally saw Justin Fields run around more, and it led to 25.3 fantasy points against the Niners. Pittsburgh, I'm sure, will be selling out to stop the run, but Fields' most recent performance at least inspires some confidence in using him as a streamer, and hopefully it opens up holes for Khalil Herbert and then David Montgomery when he returns. Monday night's game being in Pittsburgh is something to consider for those planning to use Fields. The Steelers should be confident on both sides of the ball, coming off a huge win over Cleveland. With the November weather arriving, as we saw with the Giants Chiefs in Week 8, I'd anticipate we get another slugfest, assuming Chicago's defense rebounds. For the Steelers, they'll continue playing through Najee Harris and Deontay Johnson, but Pat Fryermuth has seen seven targets in each of the past two games, and Big Ben's comfortability with him in the red zone makes him the rare rookie tight end you can feel good about in fantasy lineups because of his scoring upside. That wraps up the Week 9 slate. And just as a bit of a recap, three-star players I would want to trade for are Nick Chubb, Mike Williams, and Darren Waller. Don't forget that. As always, you can find all our rankings and analysis at wolfsports.com. And be sure to listen to the Wolf Sports Show for our general NFL podcast. Until next time, I'm Dylan Chapin, and this was the Fantasy Consigliere Podcast.